rejoice about this morning. Amen. If you know the Lord is your Savior, you can rejoice in that glorious hope that one day you'll be in heaven with Him. Amen. Let's stand together. Turn to page number 11 now. Page number 11. Come thou fount of every blessing. Let's sing all three verses as we begin this morning. Page number 11. Sing out with us on that first verse. Come thou fount of every blessing to my heart to sing thy praise. Streams of mercy never ceasing. Call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me I'm sure glad that the Lord sought me, even though I was a stranger, amen, and interposed his precious uh, blood. And love that song, and uh, what a blessing. It, it is good to be a child of God, amen, and sure glad that you are here uh, this morning. Let's go to the Lord uh, in prayer and ask God's blessing on our uh, services. I'm going to ask Brother Jim uh, Wisdom, one of our deacons, if you would pray for us this morning. Amen. Won't you be seated uh, this morning? I do apologize for the sinus uh, stuff. I think I'm getting what everybody else has had, and so we should have just stayed in Italy. Amen. Uh, no, I, <clears throat> I tell you, I've been gone so much, they were threatening to give me a visitor packet today and talked about me being a guest preacher next Wednesday night. Amen. And so I told the men this morning, I'm going to be preaching today. If i got to do it with two Kleenexes hanging out my nose, we're going to preach. Amen. And uh, so I just do hope and pray that you would uh, certainly pray as I preach, and I don't want it to be a distraction to you. And so if I break out in a sneezing fit, we'll just have the song leader come back up and lead us in a song, amen, uh, to get us uh, through that. did just want to mention a few things uh, this morning for those that may not be aware. Uh, Miss Carolyn uh, Moore went home to be with the Lord this uh, past Thursday morning around Two o'clock in the morning. Sure good to have Brother Mike Moore here with us this morning and their daughter, uh, Carrie, uh, that's with him. And certainly dear friends in the Lord and a blessing. And so did just want to mention there will be a memorial service and that'll be this coming uh, Saturday, September the 30th. 
Uh, we still are going to have our churchwide outreach at 1030 uh, in the morning. And so we are going to be canvassing and getting ready for the fall revival. But then that afternoon at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, we'll have a service here to honor uh, Miss Carolyn Moore and her life. And so that'll be at 2 o'clock uh, in the after, uh, afternoon. And so that'll be again here at the church uh, next Saturday. And I uh, sure appreciate uh, her faithfulness. And I know she knows the Lord. Man, she, she's, she's doing a lot better than we are this morning. Amen. And uh, so pray, but do pray uh, for the family. Uh, and I know that they would appreciate uh, that. Did just want to mention some other things uh, that are coming up, and I just alluded to it just a moment ago. We are uh, getting ready for our fall revival. That's uh, October the 8th, which is on a Sunday, and we'll go all the way to uh, October the 13th, which is on a Friday. And so Sunday, uh, that uh, on the 8th, we'll have our regular uh, service times. Uh, the only thing we'll probably do different is that we won't have our Bible study at 6 o'clock. We'll just have our evening service uh, that Sunday night at 6.30. And then, of course, Monday through Friday, 7 o'clock uh, each night. Looking forward to having uh, Brother Dean and Miss Susie uh, Herring. Brother Dean pastors the South Valley Baptist Church there in Kuna, uh, Idaho. It is a church the Lord used him to plant. He's a longtime pastor there in uh, South Georgia around the Savannah area. And uh, God called him to go uh, to Idaho and plant a church. And, boy, God has just tremendously blessed uh, there, when he gets here and he begins to talk, you will see, you will immediately know he ain't from Idaho, all right? He's got a, you know, that good southern Georgia uh, draw, but he is a blessing and he will be a blessing to you. Just a dear friend for, for years and uh, just excited about what God uh, has for you. But I know this, we need to be praying. And so we have been fasting and praying. Last week was sweets. Praise God, that is over with. My wife got up this morning, made cinnamon rolls, and said, the fast is over. Amen. And I'm thinking I want a cinnamon roll and some Andy's frozen custard to go with it. Amen. Or just a cinnamon roll in the Andy's frozen. Anyways. Uh, but this, this week starts uh, meals. And so if maybe you want to fast from a meal uh, through the week, maybe like skip breakfast or, or lunch or whatever, or maybe you want to take a day or two or three throughout the week and you just want to fast all day and pray, I want to encourage you to do that. That's really, that's really the idea behind fasting, is to deny your flesh of that which it needs most. And your flesh wants to eat. My flesh wants to eat. I'm already hungry. All right? But I know this. We need to tell our flesh no, and we need to pray and seek the Lord. Amen? And so I want to encourage you to participate in that. And then, of course, next Sunday, we'll begin TV and entertainment and things like that. Boy, there's a lot of noise in this world and we need to turn it off so that we can hear from our great God. Amen. So I want to encourage you to participate in those things and be here for uh, the revival uh, meeting. Okay, Brother Eric, won't you come ahead this morning? Let's all stand again and turn to page number 50. Page number 50 in your hymn book. Praise Him, praise Him. Jesus, our blessed Redeemer. Let's sing it out together on the first verse now. Praise Him, praise Him. Jesus, our blessed Redeemer. Sing over his wonderful love proclaim. Hail him, hail him, Christ our angels in glory. Strength and honor, give to his holy name. Like a shepherd, Jesus will guard his children. In his arms, he carries them all in long. Praise 
234. Page number 234 this morning. His grace is sufficient. I'm thankful for the grace of God this morning, aren't you? Amen. Let's sing it out. Page 234. Many times I'm trying. On that last verse, when the tempter brings confusion, well, what are we to do? We just turn to Jesus. Amen. Let's sing that out on that last verse. When the tempter brings confusion, and I don't know what to do, on my knees I turn to Jesus, for I know he'll see me through. Then despair is changed to victory. 
come for the offering, I'd like to read to you from Revelation chapter 4. He says in verse 8, And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne. And worship him that liveth forever and ever. And cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Brother John Ellis, would you pray for the offering this morning? Amen. You may be seated.
Thank you so much, Mrs. Waters. Would you stand with us one last time? Turn to page 433. Page number 433. If it is well with your soul, say amen this morning. Praise the Lord. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can sing this with confidence this morning. It is well with my soul. Let's sing out on that first verse. When peace like a river
We can't be done. Um, I do this a lot with this song, but I want to bring out a different part of this song that maybe, maybe you're here this morning, maybe you don't know the Lord as your Savior, but I want you to understand something. The, sec- the third verse says, My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. It's nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Jesus Christ shed his blood for you so that you could have eternal life. The only way to get to heaven is through his shed blood. But the, the reason that the author of this song can write the last verse with confidence is because he has the third verse settled. Okay? So the last verse, And Lord haste the day when my faith shall be sight. You see, one day he knew. He knew he was going to be in heaven. And all the faith he'd put into it was going to be made sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend. Do you know that very last phrase he says, Even so, it is well with my soul. And he could say that because he knew the Lord as his Savior. I want us to go back, and I want us to sing the last verse. And I want you to think this morning, do you know the Lord as your Savior? And if you don't, you need to make that decision today before you leave. And we're going to go acapella on the chorus. Just let the people of the Lord sing this morning, all right? Let's go back and sing the last verse. Sing it out to the Lord this morning. And Lord, haste the day. And Lord, haste the day. say amen this morning. You may be seated. I hope before you leave this morning, you can say with confidence, it is well with your soul. Amen. Just before pastor comes to preach, Mrs. Quinlan is going to come and sing this morning. When my life work is ended and I cross the swelling tide, when the bright and glorious morning I shall see, I shall know my Redeemer when I reach the other side, and his smile will be the first to welcome me. I shall know him. I shall know him, and redeemed by his side I shall stand. I shall know him, I shall know him, by the print of the nails in his hand. I shall know him, I shall know him, and redeemed by his side I shall stand, I shall know him, 
by the print of the nails in his hand. Oh, the soul-thrilling rapture when I view his blessed face and the luster of his kindly beaming eye. How my full heart will praise him for his mercy, love, and grace that prepare for me a mansion in the sky. I shall know him, I shall know him, and redeemed by his side I shall stand. I shall know him, I shall know him, by the print of the nails in his hand. I shall know him, I shall know him, and redeemed by his side I shall stand. I shall know him by the print of the nails in his hand. I shall know him, I shall know him, and redeemed by his side I shall stand, I shall know him by the print of the nails in his hand. Well, I have not seen nor ear heard, amen, when faith becomes sight, and uh, what a blessing that will be. Enjoyed that uh, this morning. I, uh, <clears throat> all I could think about when Miss Gloria was standing up here getting ready to sing the special and we were going back and singing the fourth verse again of, of It Is Well With My Soul is that I feel like my head is in a barrel with this sinus uh, allergy uh, stuff. And so I don't know if I was singing off key or not, but I was singing. Amen. Because I'm glad to know it's well with my soul. Amen. Well, uh, let's take our Bibles this morning, and, and don't stand uh, just yet, but turn with me to the book of Romans in, in chapter number 14. We've been going through uh, the book of Romans in its entirety, uh, just going, you, you know, what I would call expository preaching, just exposing the Scriptures, going through it verse by verse, something about going through it like this, amen, and seeing it in its context and and what it means, and what a tremendous uh, blessing uh, this study has has been, and we've made it all the way to chapter uh, number fourteen, and and we've spent a lot of time in the first half. Um, if you know anything about chapters fourteen and, and fifteen, it deals with what I would call diversity or differences among believers, and I I know that. You know, in the day and age in which we live in, you hear something like diversity training or something like that. It's kind of a, kind of a well, it's kind of a scary word. Um, but you understand that, that when we talk about diversities among believers, you, you have to understand this. Everybody is different. And everybody does come from different backgrounds. And everybody has different spiritual battles and things that they are struggling with and you know one one person is not is not the standard for everybody else no Jesus Christ is the standard that's who we're trying to be like and to grow in our faith in because he is the one 
that saves us. And He is the one that we're going to answer to when it's all said and done. And so the first half of this chapter has been kind of dealing with this, this, you know, these wrong types of attitudes that people can have towards one another. Now, I know we never do that. All right, but those in Rome were having those kind of things. So Paul begins to kind of deal with those things. You know, this, this, the mature believers and, and the immature believers, those that he says are weak in the faith. And so kind of get this instruction like, you, you know, to the mature believers, you need, to, you need to be careful about looking down your noses at everybody else. Because the reality is this, we need the next generation. We need the next generation to be saved and to grow in their faith so that the things of God can continue. And we need to understand this, we are not the standard. They don't need to become like us, they need to focus on becoming more like Jesus Christ. But through the immature believers, those that are weak in the faith, you, listen, you you got to be careful about judging the mature believer, you, you know, be careful about, well, they're just a bunch of Pharisees and trying, you know, they're, but well, here's the thing. They're trying to live holy unto Christ just like you need to be trying to live holy unto Christ. And, and so be careful about that. And listen, yes, you need to be willing to receive correction and somebody to help you to grow in your faith so that you can learn to please God in your daily life. And again, here's the thing. And this is what he brings up. He says, because here's the deal. Whether you're a mature believer in Christ or you're weak in the faith and growing in your faith, here's the thing. When it's all said and done, we're all going to stand before God. Every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess. And we're going to give an account to our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, so here's the thing. That, that's, that's what that first half is about. We just, you know what we need to do? We just really need to love one another and help one another in the things of the Lord. All right? And so here's the thing. Understanding that, all right, and now we're going to get into the second half of this chapter, and so it begins to switch from, from caution and warning about wrong attitudes to really just practical instruction on how you and I can do that as people of God. So, so you're there in Romans chapter 14. Let, let's stand this morning in honor of God's word, and, and we're gonna we're gonna begin reading in verse number thirteen. So here's the instruction. You ready? So so he here's what he says. So after understanding, we need to be careful about our attitudes. We need to understand we're gonna give an account to Jesus Christ. In verse number thirteen, here's what he says: Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but rather, and notice the play on words, but rather judge this. And here's what he says that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. So here's what he says. Don't be a stumbling block. In other words, don't call someone to trip and to trip up in their faith or even to fall, to fall away, to completely get away from the things of God. And he goes on and says, I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. But if thy brother be grieved with any meat, now, now walkest thou not charitably, destroy not him with thy meat for whom, the, uh, for whom Christ died. 
Let not then your good be evil spoken of. And listen to this. I love this verse. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's what the things of God are really about. And he goes on and says, for he, that is, for he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us therefore follow after the things which make, which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify one another. For meat destroy not the work of God. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for that man who eateth with offense. It is good neither to eat flesh, nor to drink wine, nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth, or offended, or is made weak. Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. You want to eat a hamburger? Good. Go do it at the house. That's what he said. I might do that this afternoon. But he says this, Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he, which he allows. Now watch this. And he that, and he that doubteth, is damned if he eat, because he eateth not with faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. You know what, this really it's this. It's, it's just practical instruction on how not, not to trip each other up and cause each other to fall. Now here's, listen, this is in my flesh. This is what I think. You know what, this generation just needs to suck it up and quit being crybabies. And, and I get all of that, because... We are getting to this place where we are offended over things that we shouldn't be offended about. And, and again, this generation does need to learn to receive correction. I get all of that. You understand what I'm saying? I get all of that. But please catch this. That doesn't give you and me a pass to act the way we want to act or do what we want to do or say whatever just comes to our mind. There's still a responsibility that the people of God have. To be careful about how we treat other people. And this is what I thought about. You know what Paul's saying here is this. Don't trip. Don't cause anybody to trip and fall. This is what we ought to be thinking about. I want to be a stepping stone. I want to help somebody to Jesus Christ. Rather than push them away from the things of God. And if that causes me to make some changes in my life that need to be made on how I treat somebody else or say something to somebody, then you know what? It's worth doing it so that they can be saved. Father, would you bless the preaching now, and I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Won't you be seated this morning? Sure appreciate you standing in honor of God's Word. And, I, man, I was up here praying just a moment ago that my allergies and stuff, the Lord would just kind of help with that, and I believe the Lord is helping with that, and so I'm thankful for that. So, stumbling block. And, I listen, I think everybody probably here this morning would, would understand what a stumbling block is. If you have kids, if you have kids or grandkids, I want you to listen to this. Probably the most painful thing that you may ever suffer physically as a parent is to step barefooted on a Lego block in the dark. Son, listen, that, that can cause a grown man to scream at a pitch of a teenage girl at an Elvis concert. You, you understand what I'm saying? In fact, I thought about this. I'm a firm believer that since our military... All right, since they are no longer allowed to waterboard, they should just be able to just put their enemies in a room with Lego blocks and turn the light off. I would spill every bit of information I had right off the bat to avoid so, something like that. And I, I, I think, again, that's kind of the idea of a stumbling block. I certainly had 
some, some stories and testimonies of things, even while we were in Italy of tripping and, and you know, just about tripping and things like that. But that, that, that's what a stumbling block is. It's something that trips us up or causes us to, to not only just stumble, but even to fall altogether. And this, listen, this is what I know as a child of God, that the devil is all about trying to get people of God to trip up or to fall altogether and to get completely out and away from the things of God. We, we, we would understand that. I was saying to somebody the other day that I think that right after we talk to somebody and we lead people, to, someone to the Lord Jesus Christ, or someone makes a spiritual decision about either following Christ in baptism uh, becoming or becoming part of Faith Baptist Church, there needs to be a sit down and an understanding that when you begin to follow the things of God, the devil is going to engage himself and try to get you to trip up or fall and to get away from serving Jesus Christ. Spiritual warfare is a very real thing in the child of God's life. That's just the simple fact of the matter is. But what I think Paul is trying to say here is this, is that as the children of God, we need to make sure that we don't add to that by the way we treat other people and we become foolish or prideful in all of those things. Now, and, and become a stumbling block for somebody else. Now, before we get in any further in this, I, I do think that we need to understand this. That when you get to when you get to chapter number twelve, the writing, the dynamic, even the doctrine, it it, it changes gears. In fact, all the way up through chapter number eleven, the apostle Paul is really primarily dealing with the, the doctrine of salvation, he deals with the Gentiles and especially the Jews. His heart was that, was that Israel might be saved. And so he deals tremendously with the doctrine of salvation. But beginning in chapter number 12, Paul begins to call on the children of God to become living sacrifices. And he begins to go into all of this practical instruction for God's people, even where we're at in our text in chapter 14. So you got to understand this, that what we're looking at in chapter 14, it is dealing primarily with people who have already been saved. They've already, listen, they've already been pulled up out of the miry clay and set upon the solid rock of Jesus Christ. All right? But, but, here's, but here's something else that you need to understand. All right? Paul also warned in the book of Romans that Jesus Christ himself can be a stumbling block to those who are trusting in their works to be saved. All right, is everybody getting this? So we're on the idea of stumbling block. Y'all okay this morning? All right, and so he says this. He says that, that, that Jesus Christ himself can be a stumbling block. Go back to Romans chapter 9. Let's, let's look at this here really, really quickly. Romans chapter 9. Look at verse number 30. He says, what shall we say then? So he's concluding some things here. He says that the Gentiles, which followed not after righteousness, all right, mean, talking about the righteousness of the law, the, work, the righteous works of man, he says this, have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith. Is everybody getting this? Come on, man, y'all, listen, not all of y'all went to the men's recharge. 
all right, and so you shouldn't be that tired, all right? You understand what he's talking about is that he's talking about people that have put their faith and trust in Christ, the Gentile people who didn't have the works of the law to show them the righteousness of God. Well, they've received Jesus Christ by faith, and they have received, therefore, the righteousness which is of Jesus Christ. It men made righteous before God. Is everybody getting that? Oh, come on, friend. Wherefore, by faith, we, are, we, we, we receive the, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. According to Romans chapter 5, we have peace with God through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. But look at what else he says in verse 31. But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, hath not attained to the law of righteousness. Here's why. Because no man can keep the law and be perfect and found perfect in it. So he concludes, he says, Wherefore, because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law, for they stumbled at the stumbling stone, as it is written, so he's quoting Old Testament here, Behold, I lay in Sion a stumbling stone and rock of offense, and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. You know what he's saying? He's saying this, here's the Gentiles, that they have received Christ by faith, and they have, because they've received Christ, they now have the righteousness of God in them, and they're found righteous before God. But here's the Jews who have the Scriptures and Old Testament law that shows them that they're sinners and they need to be saved, but Christ came unto His own, and His own received Him not. They rejected Christ, still clinging to their works to be saved. And what Paul is saying is this, you've not, you've not attained righteousness before God. Because man can't do it. And so Christ now, because of his message of faith, has become this stumbling block to them. And they're stumbling over it, not realizing they need to humble themselves and call upon Christ as Savior. So, so you understand, what I'm trying to get across to you is this, is that first things are first. In other words... There's no sense in you and I being concerned about how we treat other believers in Jesus Christ if you're not a believer yourself. And so what Paul is saying here is this in Romans chapter 9, that if you're not saved, you need to be careful about Christ becoming a stumbling block to you. You need to understand two clear things. And the first one is this. It is only through this Jesus Christ of the Bible that man can be saved. Christ declared that himself when he said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. So Christ made that clear. Also his disciples made that clear. When they said, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. So you've got to understand this, that that means that, that Mary can't save you. There, there's only one mediator between God and man, and that's the man Christ Jesus. Who gave himself around. Oh, come on, friend. I know, I know that to the bulk of this crowd, that that's old hat, so to speak, that we hear this day in and day out. But you're going to hear it again this morning. Because there may be somebody around you that doesn't know Christ as their Savior. And they need to understand this, that the Pope can't save them, and dead saints can't save them, and Muhammad can't save them, and Buddha can't save them. There is only one who can save them. And his name is Jesus Christ. And here's why, because he's the only one that died for your sin and was buried for three days and then rose again. Amen. Listen, thus having the authority to give you eternal life. Right. So there's only one way to be saved, and that's, listen, that's through Jesus Christ. There's only one name, watch this, and there's only one way to receive him as your Savior. 
And that's by faith. Well, it's, it's not through, oh, come on, I know the Jews had, had their laws, but you've got to realize this, the bulk of Christianity today has their works. And it's not through baptism. I said it's not through baptism. And it's not through church membership. And it's not through observing the Lord's Supper. And it's not through turning over a new leaf in life. It's not through any of those things. It is as clear as Romans 10, 9 and 10 that Paul made it. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. And shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. With the mouth, Listen, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It is as simple as that. It is when man realizes he is a sinner, he is destined to hell for all eternity, but that Christ died for him, was buried and rose again, and man humbles himself and repents and puts his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. At that very moment, my friend, you become a child of the King. Your sins are done away with. They're cast as far as the east is to the west, never to be remembered of the, uh, of the Lord. And you become a child of God on your way to heaven for all eternity. Somebody say amen this morning. I'm just telling you, my friend, that, listen, that, that, is, what, that is what saves a man. That is what makes a man, uh, uh, gives man e- eternal life. And you've got to understand this. Please grab a hold of this. Make sure that there has been a time and place where you've called upon the name of the Lord to be saved. I got saved at the age of 20 in April 1996. And I didn't grow up in a Christian home. And I'm, uh, listen, I love my mom and dad, but we didn't go to church. We were holiday Baptists when I was a kid. We went on Easter and Christmas. By the time I became a young man, I was in wickedness and ungodliness. And I met my wife and we started going to church where her grandfather was a pastor. And the guy stood in the pulpit every Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night. And he preached the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I would say this, I'm glad he did. Because God began to deal with me and I began to realize, listen, this that, that Christ is the Savior. And I got on my face in my bedroom in the dark and I called upon the Lord to save me. And listen to this, He saved me and I've been saved ever since. And I'm telling you this morning, that is a time and a place that I can go back to in my mind's eye where God dealt with me and I did it the Bible way and I called upon Him. And if there hasn't been a time and place for you in your life where you've trusted in Christ as your Savior, then today needs to be the day. Being here in church this morning is not going to get you to heaven. Well, preacher, I'm a pretty good person. That's not going to get you to heaven. There's good people in hell right now. The only way to be saved is by putting your faith and trust in Christ. Having a relationship with Him. Listen, and then that's when He reaches down and pulls you out of the miry clay and sets you upon the solid rock of Jesus Christ. My friend, you better have that foundation, listen, before you get anything else. Jesus Christ is the only foundation. And then once you get up here on the solid rock of Jesus Christ, and there are other people up here with you, He's the chief cornerstone. Listen to this. You need to make sure you're not walking around pushing anybody else off. It causes them to trip and fall. Listen, I realize people can't lose their salvation. Once you're saved, you're always saved. And I'm glad for that. But I'm just saying to you, we need to be careful that we're not a stumbling block to others around us. And so Paul here, he's been cautioning about our attitudes. And now he begins to give these, these very, really what I would say is practical instructions on how you and me as God's people we need to treat one another now I know everybody's here is just perfect and we treat each other accordingly 
Oh me, oh my, that's exactly right. And so he gives us some things here. Let's get into this here. Let, let, me, let me just give you some things I, I wrote down. Look at verse number 14 of our text. I'm still in Romans chapter 9, amen. Look at verse number 14. So, so in verse number 13, he says this, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. And beginning in verse number 14, he kind of gives us one of the very first instructions on how to do that. And he says, I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, watch this, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. But if thy brother be greed with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably, destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died. What I would say to you is this, is that we need to follow the example of the Apostle Paul right here. And here's what he's saying. He's saying this. It is okay. It is okay for you and me to restrain ourselves for the sake of someone else. Let me say that again. It is okay to restrain yourself for the sake of someone else. You, you, I, that, that one didn't go over very well. You know why? Because we don't like to be restrained. We don't like to tell ourselves no. That's why you got people going, I ain't fasting for no revival. I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. Yeah, that's probably why you're not going to have revival either. Let me, let, me, let me help you with this too. By the way, this isn't just Paul's example. Paul exemplified his life after the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, look at what he says in chapter 15 of verse number 1. He says, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. Watch this. For even Christ pleased not himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproach thee fell on me. Aren't you glad the Lord Jesus Christ set aside the glories of heaven and everything that was in him and took upon himself the form of a servant and our sin upon him so that we can be saved? And what Paul's saying is this, that's what I want to do for my brother or sister in Christ. And what I'm saying to you is this, that's what we ought to do for one another. We ought to follow that example and restrain ourselves. It's pretty interesting that when you get into chapter number 14, you kind of begin to, to see, if I could say it like this, this diversity of meat uh, a little bit more clearly. And what I mean by that is that if you go back to the previous verses earlier in the chapter, Paul brings up, you, you know, as he's dealing with diversity and difference, he brings up this issue of meat because he says that, the, you know, the more mature believers, they, they are eating meat. And, and then he says those who are, he says, weak in the faith, imply immaturity, they're, they're not, they're eating herbs only, all right? And so as you get to the end of this chapter, you kind of begin to see, you know, how this is all kind of, kind of coming about, and it, and it kind of makes sense. So let me, let me explain it to you. We, we know this, that after the, after the flood, God told man he could eat meat. We know that, all right? All the men in here should be going, amen. 
So, so we understand that. And we know this, that the Jews, even in the Old Testament, they ate meat, but they also understood that there were things that God said was unclean from unclean animals. You know, like pigs. You couldn't have bacon as a Jew. I'm glad I'm a Gentile. Amen. But, but we also know this, that in Acts chapter 4, or I'm sorry, yeah, uh, no, it's, it's later on, but it's in the book of Acts, that Peter receives this vision to show him that the Gentile people need to hear the gospel and be saved. And so he has this vision, these blanket, this blanket of animals that come down that are unclean, and God says to eat, and Peter says, no way, I'm not taking of that which is unclean. And God says, don't call that which is uh, clean uncle uh, unclean. And he was talking about people, but he's using that to show, to show Peter that spiritual lesson and, and praise God for that because now even the Jew can eat meat or eat bacon that's safe. You've got to be saved, Jew, though, right? You gotta. So, so now watch this. So we, we understand that, that it's the Jew that's most likely here that is the mature believer, has the Old Testament scriptures that help them to understand this, and so that they're, they're just eating uh, meat, whatever. And, and it's the Gentiles that aren't eating meat. But now watch this. The idea here is this, is that in the city of Rome, as, as well as throughout the, the Roman Empire, there was pagan worship to the Roman gods and other false gods. And in that pagan worship, there was sacrifices of animals. And this sacrifice, so they would sacrifice and shed the blood of animals to their pagan gods. Now watch this. And so what happened with those sacrifices is that they would turn around and they would sell the meat from those animals at a bargain price. So the Jew, the Jew is like going, huh, ribeye's on sale this week, boys. Let's go down to Price Chopper. They, they got one cut up. You know, it was sacrificed down there at the Chiefs Stadium for their false gods of football. Oh, now we're hitting home, aren't we? That wasn't even in my notes. I'm just meddling. No, 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 watch this. Now, so they go down, and they would buy that meat. They don't think anything of it they, because they know it's just sacrificing their false gods. We know who God is. It's Jehovah God. That's the true God. But these Gentiles who grew up in this pagan religion and these sacrifices have now been saved and they go, I can't eat that because that's part of my past life. And I feel like if I eat that, then I'm kind of signing off on those false gods. Is anybody getting this? And, and I'm kind of going along with it or, or partake... And, and it even kind of tempts me to go back to that. Is anybody, is, you kind of see what I'm saying here? So let me, let me just kind of put this together for you, and let me, let me, give you, let me kind of give you a caution here, all right? Um, and, and then we're going to kind of get into some practical examples as to where you and I are at in, in, in our day and time here. Um, the, the caution is this. Be, be careful that you don't take this right here and, and you abuse this to justify partaking of something or, or even not partaking of something that God has made it very clear in His Word. Does that make sense? 
where, where God has made it very clear in His Word, something that we are supposed to be doing, we should be doing that. And where God's made it clear in His Word that we shouldn't be doing those things, then we shouldn't be doing those things. And we have no business taking this passage of Scripture and twi- trying to twist it around to fit our circumstances and then to justify us going against the Word of God. Right. Let me just give you an example of that. I've heard people say things like this. Um, just, just kind of stay with me. You know, I was raised in a strict Christian home. To which I would say, good. But, but see, they're saying it in a, in, as if it's something bad, which already reveals where their heart's at. Is anybody, anybody catching this? So, so they'll say things like, well, you know, I was raised in a strict Christian home where we, we were told we, we, we shouldn't watch this and we shouldn't go to these places and we should dress a certain way and, and we shouldn't say these certain things and all of that. But now, but now I, have, I have liberty in Christ. So I just, I can kind of, I've realized now that, that you know, I can, I can do whatever I want to do. And now they're dressing like the world, and they're talking like the world, and they're living like the world. Does anybody get where I'm going? You understand? Please, please listen to me. That is an abuse of this passage. That, that's not what Paul is, is talking about here in this, this circumstance, in this scenario with diversities of believers between the Jews and the Gentiles within this church within Rome. Does anybody get what I'm saying? So, so you understand, it's not meant to take and abuse. Well, what he's talking about is people that, that are coming out of a past life of false gods and wickedness, and now they've been saved and washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, and, and, and there, are, there is this meat that is offered uh, that is available at a bargain price, but it's been offered unto false gods, and the Jews are partaking of it, and the Gentiles are going, oh, that was part of my past life, and it's going to tempt me away from the things of Jesus Christ. And in fact, Paul deals with it very expressly, and even in the same manner in 1 Corinthians chapter number 8, to the believers there, because there was the same issue in Achaia among that church in Corinth. And Paul gives the exact same instruction, and what he says is this. He says, he says, here's what you need to do, mature believers. You need to learn to restrain yourself. You need to learn to say that, you know what? If this is going to hurt my brother or my sister in Christ, then I'm not going to eat that meat, and I'm not going to partake of it. Not, not in front of them, and, and I'm not going to talk to them about it, and I'm not going to try to coerce them, and I'm not going to try to pick on them or to make fun of them or, or to just, you know, you listen, you need to get with it here. No, you need to let God do a work in them. Because God can change somebody a whole lot better than you and me can change somebody. Truth of the matter is, what I have found in my life is that when you try to do the work that only God can do, what you do is you end up becoming a stumbling block or a a tripping up and cause them to stumble and fall or even get away from the things of God altogether. And so what Paul says is this, is that rather than trying to take matters in our own hands that I know we Baptists would never do, maybe we ought to just try restraining ourselves. Let me, let me give you an example, okay, up, up to speed here where you and I are at in 2023. Y'all okay? We've got plenty of time here. I don't, message not, 
It wasn't going to be that long this morning, but now that I've gotten away from my notes, it's probably going to be long. I've known people that, that got saved and had an alcohol addiction. And so because of that past life, they said this, I don't want to go anywhere where, I don't want to go to a restaurant where there's a bar in it. I don't want to be around that. I don't want that smell because that was my past life. And they got a personal conviction about it. I know, I know pastors. I know pastors that have said, that, that, that have, have preached for me before and we said, hey, you want to go to eat somewhere? And they've said this, well, I, I can, but I don't want to go somewhere where they serve alcohol. And the reason is because of either their past life or maybe they had a, a, a bad experience in the sense that they counseled somebody that maybe, uh, you know, got hit by a drunk, you know, somebody that was killed by a drunk driver or something like that. And they just said, you know what? I don't want to have anything to do with it, and I don't want them getting any of my money, to which I would say that's fine. I've, I've, known, people, I've known people that in their past life, they, they, they had an addiction to pornography. And, and so it probably wouldn't be good for them to be around a TV or, or a computer or an iPad or something like that. And so they put all of those things out of their life, and they're, trying, and they're wanting to get victory over those things. I, I'm just, listen, I'm just trying to get, I remember when I got saved, and, and there were things in my life, and there were friends that I stopped hanging out with. And there were, um, there, there were, uh, there was a time where we didn't have cable TV in our home. And, and, and there was a time where I'd get in my truck, and I'd ride around, and I wouldn't even turn the radio on. Because of the things that, that I used to put in my eye gate and my ear gate. Y'all are looking at me like, man, that's weird. I'm sorry, but if you got saved, then, then, then you've been washed in the blood of Christ. You should want not to go back to those things. It's like we've seen, it's like in our day and time, we look at it as almost strange if somebody really repents and gets right with God and wants to live a holy life. That's what God's called us to do. So there was those things in my life that I just stopped doing for a while. And what Paul is saying is this. If you're around one of those guys or one of those girls and you're very much aware of maybe their past life and what they've decided to put out of their life, then don't invite them. Don't invite somebody out to eat and then take them to a restaurant where they serve alcohol. Don't invite them over to your house and go, hey, want to watch TV? I like watching TV. When they said, I, I, don't, I, don't want to, I don't want to have TV in my life right now. Does that make Turn it off. Go somewhere where they don't serve alcohol. You can't go to Cracker Barrel anymore. Talking about ruining a good restaurant. You got to go to McDonald's. Oh, that's awful too. You see what I'm saying? Now, I know, I know, listen, I know everybody here is like going, well, yeah, preacher, that makes sense. But here's the problem. We're selfish. Yeah, that's right. I, listen, I, when we went over to Italy, I, I did a lot of ob- observing. I'm a people watcher, sometimes for my own benefit and entertainment. <laughs> okay? 
But I do. I like to. I like to watch people and stuff like that. And and I notice. I notice this. We did. You want. You want to find out the character of people. Get on public transportation. You want to test your marriage. Try to figure out public transportation in a foreign country. I thought we were going to need marital counseling when we got back from this trip. Praise God. We survived though. On to year twenty-seven. In our marriage. You listen. We got when when people in Italy or wherever. When they, when they got off this, this subway train or a train going somewhere, every, listen, you, they, everybody, it was every man for himself. Everybody got off and other people were going on. And if you were standing there and there was somebody behind you and you weren't moving where, when they wanted you to move, they'd knock you out of the way and get because they were all about going and getting a seat. Now, this is what I know. I was raised where it was women and children first. And when you got on a train or a bus or something like that, and you were sitting down and a woman was standing up, you got up so that the woman could sit down. You might, that's just called manners. You don't find that in Italy. It is no holds bar. I mean, it is. Now listen, and some of us older generation, we're going... Yeah, that's how it all, yeah, amen, we need to have man. Listen, let me help you with this. In this generation, it ain't much different than Italy. It is no holds barred, and it is selfish, and it is every man for himself. And please listen to me. What I know is this, is that what goes on out there in the world tends to roll over into the lives of God's people. And what Paul is saying is this, is that if you want to avoid being a stumbling block or tripping somebody up, then you have to set aside your way in what you think and yourself and learn to restrain yourself. You know, maybe sometimes it doesn't need to be said. I always hate it when people say, they start out like this, you know, I don't know if I should say this or not. Well, then let me help you with this. Shut up. We don't say shut up. Well, I did. You know what that means in the Greek? Shut up. Don't say it. You don't have to say it. You, listen, we don't, need to, we don't need to have our voice and our opinion and our... It's self. In fact, he goes on and he says something else. I love what he says here. And I've got to hurry with this. But look at what else he said. Because here's the thing. I lost my notes here. All right. Oh, oh, oh. By the way, let me point something out before I get going. Look at verse number 20. No, I'm sorry, 21. It is, it is good neither to eat flesh, now watch this, nor to drink wine. Um, go, go down to verse number 17. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. Please, please listen to this. He's, you understand, he's not saying it's okay for God's people to drink alcohol. And that, you know, if somebody's not drinking alcohol... You just need to not drink alcohol around him, but when you're by yourself, you can drink alcohol. That's not what he's saying. Nowhere does the Bible say it's okay to drink alcohol. It is a, there's a tremendous warning against alcohol. Is everybody getting this? In its context, it's talking about fruit of the vine or even alcoholic wine that's been offered unto false gods. And he's saying, don't partake of the meat or even definitely don't drink the wine and be a stumbling block to somebody else. Mike. Am I getting this? So, so, so that's the first thing. Now let's go. Let's move on. Look at verse number 16. He says, Let not then your good be evil spoken of, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, 
but righteousness and, and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that, that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. Do you know what he's saying here? He's saying this. Number one, follow my example and learn to restrain yourself. Number two, here's, here's the other thing. Why don't we learn to focus on the things that matter? Because really when it comes to the kingdom of God, it's not so much about what you eat and what you drink. No, 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 yeah, there's some things that we need to abstain. Certainly alcohol, one of those things, as, as already pointed out, but it's not so much about that. You know what it's about? It's, it's about being filled with the righteousness of God. It's about being filled with the peace of God. Is anybody getting this? And it's about being filled with the joy of the Holy Ghost in your life. You know what he's really saying here is he's saying, listen, whether you're a Jew eating meat or you're a Gentile that, that's not eating meat, the Christian life is not about a bunch of boxes you check off. Amen. It, it's about the walk you can have with God in a relationship with him. And to the Pharisee, the Pharisee, that was his past life. This is what they were all about. Come on, they were all about keeping the law. Come on, they were all about keeping the law. And, and, and even when where God didn't get everything in there, they put their own stuff in there. And it was all about checking the box off and checking the box off. and check. I did this and I didn't do that and I did this and I didn't do that. And what, 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 what Paul is warning them of is this. Please catch this. Whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, if you've been saved, that's not what the Christian life is now about. It's not whether or not, well, great, you exercised today, great. You, you ate right today, great. You did your Bible reading, great. You, you, you came to church on Sunday, great. But if you're not if you're not spending time with God in prayer and you're not drawing nigh unto Him and He drawing nigh unto you and you're not seeking to be filled with the Holy Ghost of God and having His righteousness just saturate your life and His peace saturating your life and His joy overflowing in your life and coming out of you, then you're missing what the Christian life is really about. And instead of all these do's and don'ts and please don't please don't misunderstand this i am not saying that that a holy living in a separated life is not important it most definitely is for the child of god if we're to have right fellowship with him but i also know this that we can make it all about that and we forget about that we can have a walk with god through jesus christ and what i'm saying to you is this and what paul is saying is this why don't we keep the main thing the main thing in fact, here's how he finishes it. Look at what he says in the last part here, and I'm, and I'm done this morning. Look at what he says in verse 20. He says, For me, destroy not thy work of God. Destroy not the work of God. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil to that man. For that man who eateth with offense, it is good neither to eat flesh, nor drink wine, nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth, or is offended, or is made weak. You know what he's saying? He's saying this. If you have liberty in certain areas, great, then go home and eat and practice it there. He says, have it to thyself. But I like this. He says, before God. Because you know why? 
Because God's not just at church with you, God's at home with you. That means you, you got liberty today to say, hey, I've got a TV in my home, good. But you better be aware God knows what you're watching on it. Look at what he says in verse 22. He says, Hast thou faith, have it to thyself before God? Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he alloweth. But look at this in verse 23. And he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. What he's saying here is this. If you're struggling with some things in your conscience, maybe some things in your past that you've had to completely put out of your life to stay away from that temptation, then here's what he's saying. Good. That is totally fine. It is okay. Because here's the thing. You're not accountable to me. Let me say that one again. You're not accountable to me. Well, you know, preacher, I just had to come back to church tonight. I didn't want you to call me and wonder where I was at. Well, great, but you're not accountable to me. That's right. You're accountable to Him. And if He's put that within your soul and in your heart and convicted you and said, you know what, you need to stay away from that for a while, then here's what Paul's saying. Good, do it. Do it. Because if you're participating in things that other people are, that God has dealt with you about, and you do it doubting in your heart, here's what he says. Well, the reality is that's sin for you. It may not be for them, but it is for you. So don't do it. So, so here's what I believe he's saying. Is everybody, is everybody with me? I'm almost done. Here's what I believe he's saying. He's saying this. You know what? I want you to, I want you to follow my example and learn to restrain yourself. And I want you to focus on the things that matter. And, 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 and this kind of goes along with that. He says this, I want you to forgo making mountains out of molehills. Now here's what I know about this generation. We're selfish. We're also drama queens. We are. I never forget when we moved to Springfield, Missouri. We bought a house in a little suburb. Our family motto is SIU, suck it up. We don't do drama at our house. And I never forget my oldest, my oldest daughter and maybe Taylor, they were playing with this little girl across the street in the backyard and she kept whining about, I need something to eat. I need something to drink. Can we go inside? Can we go inside? And I, was, and I was out back and I was grilling in the backyard and I heard my oldest daughter say this, if you don't suck it up and quit whining, you can go back home and we'll go inside and do whatever. And I'm telling you, that was a proud dad moment right there. Was, so I was like, I walked in and I said, you ain't going to believe what Matthew just said. This was awesome. But you know, whatever goes on out there tends to bleed over in here. And we bring our drama in. And we make big deals out of things that ain't going to make a hill of beans in light of eternity. Well, I can't believe they didn't ask me what color of the carpet which should be put in in the remodel. Well, I can't believe they didn't come and talk to me about what color the walls ought to be painted over in the fellowship hall. Well, I can't believe that. Well, here's the thing. Nobody cares. We're just going to get it done. 
And if we, listen, if we bring it before the whole church and everybody wants to put in their opinion, guess what's going to happen? Insanity is going to break out. But this is, see, this is why you hear stories about people leaving the church because of the color of the carpet. A guy told me one time about a family that left the church because they were remodeling the bathrooms and they didn't like the tile that was put in the bathrooms. And I'm thinking, how, how petty and frivolous people can be. So silly. Listen to me. When we get to hell, as long as we didn't put some crazy color in there, like hot pink. No. No. Let's say Barbie. And camouflage now. No. Listen, we're going to have good taste and we're going to be our best. I'm not saying we shouldn't be good stewards over God's things. I'm not saying that at all. We're going to do those things. But here's the thing. Listen, listen to me. But it becomes very dangerous when we become overly dramatic about things that don't matter. And that's what Paul's saying here. This whole thing about meat. Who cares? Go home and eat it. Well, you're not eating meat. You're eating salads. Great, go home and eat it. But when you come to the, when you come to the house of God, you know what it ought to be about? It ought to be about righteousness. It ought to be about peace. It ought to be about joy, full joy with the Holy Ghost of God. See, that, that's what it ought to be about. You, you, I know we're sitting here this morning going, wait a minute, we're Faith Baptist Church. We don't, we don't have those kind of things going. That don't mean we can't. And let, let, me, let me help you with this. It does have an impact on people. I remember a family visiting the church one time when I was pastoring in Cassville, and they came on a Sunday night, and, and we noticed them there, and visited with them just for a second, and then they came back the next Sunday night. And so Natalie and I thought, you know, we're going go, to go and visit with this family and, and, and see what's going on. And come to find out, they went to another Baptist church there in the area. It was a Southern Baptist church. And we said we asked them, said, why are you coming to faith or why are you coming to Bible Baptist Church on on Sunday on Sunday nights and things like that? We just, you know, want to try to be a blessing and help to you. And he said this, he said, because our church decided we're gonna have business meetings every Sunday night. And I thought, oh, I don't even like having them once a year, much less every Sunday night. And here's what he said. You know, listen, this is what he said. He said, he said, La- the last Sunday night we were there, we argued over how much money we spent putting gas in the pastor's gas tank because he had to visit a church member in the hospital all the way in Springfield, Missouri. And I thought, how petty. I bet that member sure appreciated it. Yeah. Why don't you ask him or her? And then the Sunday night before that, we spent the night arguing how much money was spent on the pizza party to feed the teenagers because they had a youth event. And now here's this family that needs to grow in their faith. And they got a church being a stumbling block to that because they're wasting their Sunday night services on arguing over petty stuff instead of preaching the Word of God to help them to grow. I don't want Faith Baptist Church to be that. 
whether it's collectively or as a church or even individually as God's people, we need to learn to restrain ourselves. And we need to learn to focus on the things that matter and not be drama queens and make mountains out of molehills. Because you know what? People need to be saved. And people need to grow and become more like Jesus Christ. Let me encourage you this morning. Decide right now. I'm going to be saved. I want to know Christ as my Savior. I want to be set upon the solid rock. And once I do, I don't want to be a stumbling block to anybody getting to there. I want to be a stepping stone. Let's all stand this morning.